You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. All right, everyone, welcome to our recap of Chapter 21 of The Mandalorian here on For the Republic. Can't say the full title of the show still because I am still very upset over uh, The Bad Batch. So if you haven't seen The Bad Batch, I won't bring too much up, although my name still kind of says that. So oops. Yeah. Uh, but if you're watching on video, it's kind yeah. of a giveaway what happens. Oops. But yeah, <laughs> let's just say I'm I'm upset with the animation department right now. Uh Don and Andrew are back here to talk about the pirate. Uh this was directed by Peter Ramsey, who was one of the the minds that brought us Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And I think I've discovered that the man is incapable of making uh anything that isn't just like awesome. Because yeah, this episode fire. ruled. This episode ruled. We were so, like, because I don't remember how much we were talking about the presence of Dorian Shard and his p- group of pirates in the first episode of the season. But if anyone was like worried that like they were just going to introduce them and then never show up again, uh, this episode proved that wrong. Because there were there were those rumors that. Uh, the the pirate crew was going to be a factor into skeleton crew. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that is is true after this episode with what happens to uh, to, yeah. to uh, the Loch Ness swamp thing pirate man himself. But unless it's a prequel, then then yeah, I could see them fitting in. But otherwise, not so much. I mean, there is like one person from that faction that could potentially make a cameo, uh, and that is Vane. Yeah. So like, cause he did like, he did peace out cause he's a, he's a little bitch boy. He had to like, he's like, oh, the Mandalorian has outwitted us. I must flee like the coward I am. Uh, so <laughs> I feel like he, he could potentially appear in Skeleton Crew. It'd be kind of cool if he was like a sort of minor grunt character who kept popping up uh, in the show. It's kind of like um, the character Turk in the Netflix Marvel shows. He always, he always kept popping up in, in all of them, mm-hmm. regardless of like, which character it was focusing on. So yeah, that would be, that would be interesting. That would be pretty cool. If like, he is like the connecting point with a lot of these Mandoverse shows. Uh, but we definitely got some connections to, uh, one of the shows that we know is coming this year. And oh also boy, connection to, uh, one of the old animated projects as well, because I lost my mind when we got there, but we start off on Navarro. We catch back up with, uh, the High Magistrate himself, Grief Karga. I don't remember if we saw his uh, cape droids in this episode or not, though. So maybe we, we have to take some some points away. Because uh, <laughs> those are my favorite. Like, we we did see Hello, the Enzelans again, though. So It's gonna be okay! <laughs> oh, I loved them so much. But Oh, they're great. Uh, we see, like, Dorian Shard's, like, what can we call it? Just, like, their... Is Corsair ship. They refer to yeah. it as a Corsair, so I'll, let's go ahead and call it that. I think it's based on concept art, uh, on artwork from the Dark Empire comics, because there was like an Imperial cruiser from Legends that looked very similar with the kind of like curved, um, curved like kind of hook hammer like uh, front that, mm-hmm. that we see here. But like, yeah, it's a cool, it's a, it's a cool really looking ship. cool looking ship. I will agree with you there. 
Um, so yeah, we, we see that, and we this is basically the retaliation for uh, grief and and Din just getting them out of Navarro earlier. They they invade the planet. They say this is under our control now, and they just start attacking the city. And this was kind of sad to see with how much we've seen Navarro as like a city and a an environment grow throughout these first three seasons of seeing it where it started in season one and now just seeing it kind of flourishing in season yeah. three for it to just get bombarded and attacked and, and taken over by these par- pirates was upset. So we see grief try to contact the new Republic. Uh, and I do find it kind of odd that his first thought was not to contact Din and to contact yeah. the new Republic first, especially if we were just going to get to the point where Carson Teva was going to recruit Din to help out here. I feel like he would have trusted Mando more than the New Republic, which as as uh, Grief pointed out in this episode and as we've seen repeatedly throughout this season are not are not the best. Yeah, we're seeing a continuation for sure of what we saw in the convert of like the political kind of ramifications of like the New Republic being stretched so thin and so easy so quickly having to slide into like compromise and you know a little bit of corruption because like we see you know, it's interesting the way the kind of nuanced approach they take with it, because like, you know, one could see it as something of a consequence for grief having to like insisting that Navarro should be an independent world, because what do you know, the New Republic doesn't prioritize that shit because they've, they've got all these member worlds calling out for assistance, which is, which sucks. Uh, yeah. And it also, it just kind of like, it's an interesting situation because like, yeah, he probably should have like, he probably should have registered, like joined the New Republic uh, with Navarro, but at the end of the day, we're seeing how how stretched thin they are. They are, to quote a certain character who shows up in a few minutes, swamped. Yeah. And uh, you can also make a reference there to, uh, what's his name? Gorian Shard. Because he looks yeah, like, Gorian Shard. Yeah. He looks like a swamp. <laughs> uh, yeah. And because, like, that's the thing. I love that Grief kind of tried to bluff his way out of it. And Gorian Shard was like, oh, Navarro is an independent world. This isn't Sabak. <laughs> Exactly. It was, kind of, it was very Force Awakens, you know, like with Bola Teak and Castle Leach calling Han Solo out and saying, Oh, there's no there's I've got to do the Scottish accent. There's no one in the galaxy left for you to swindle. It's gotta do it. Every time there's a Scottish accent. When was the first like, time? <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> I love Chewie's little nod as well in that scene how he's just like it's like no no, it was like it, this has happened twice. <laughs> God, oh, uh, I think I gotta rewatch the Force Awakens now. Yeah, um, I, I pointed out on Twitter how crazy it's gonna be that if 2025 is the next time we get a celebration, and the rumors are true that they're skipping 2024, it's gonna be crazy because it'll be our first celebration in two years, but also the 10 year anniversary of the Force Awakens, the 20 year anniversary of Revenge of the Sith, and as of now, the uh, the release year of our next Star Wars film. So that's going to be a lot of stuff to celebrate. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get Mando season four is probably going to drop around that time or season five, who knows? And, and a couple other shows that are coming down the pipeline. Uh, so it's going to be, it's going to be a fun, a fun celebration that hopefully I'll be able to go to. Cause hopefully it'll be in a place that everyone Same. can go to. I'm still <laughs> bummed that you couldn't go to the one in England. I'm but, so I'm so annoyed about that, but what are you gonna do? I thought we I thought you would be the uh 
the, the man on location for us, but <laughs> I'm reporting here for live, yeah. like live from celebration for Fall of the Republic. Yeah, sad, sadly not, we but there's always it. 2025. We would have done it, but yeah, there's always yeah. 2025. Uh, but yeah, we we cut now to a, a New Republic base, and we get to see Carson Teva again, which is cool. I, I love his character, and I love there's how a his load of cool cameos as well. So, like, I love how much he loves Star Wars. I just yeah, like, Paul. Paul's, yeah, Paul. Paul, uh, yeah, sorry, you you say his name. I've, I don't I've remember. His name. Is it Paul, Paul Su, Hung, Su Young Lee? Lee? I think. Yeah, Su Young Lee. Yeah, that's his name. Um, he was on uh, Kim's Convenience, which I hear is really funny. So, but I love just like how he was like used to cosplay as uh, Rebel pilots, and now he's literally in Star Wars. It's so awesome. But I know we got uh, in the background of this, we got to see Deborah Chow, Dave Filoni, Rick Famuyiwa, like all of the directors popped up as their like x1 pilot characters. yeah that was so Which, cool i thought it was time to retire trapper wolf but if he's not going to be like a main character just i guess i'm hat. fine with it now just just do that with paz visley even though favreau's not playing him anymore <laughs> just i'm sick like, of him i don't want i don't like him get rid of him. like um, there's i love that i love the trapper wolf had the the uh the textbook the te the telltale Dave Filoni hat just so you knew it was him and obviously yeah like seeing Deborah Chow uh, you know after all the awesome stuff she did with Obi-Wan Kenobi that was that was really cool uh so yeah Paul Sunhyung Sunhyung Lee I'm pronouncing that right that's his name I I totally agree with you Andrew I love I, I love that he's such a fan of this and it's so cool to see him actually get such a such a what's turning out to be a key role in these ongoing series like with, with I might add a smoking hot jacket that jacket yeah. looked oh that jacket like is fire awesome that new it was Republic so jacket. cool give me that now make that a, a thing that they sell at like the parks because i will totally get it also um, gotta mention the sweet alien jazz that plays i would listen to that on a yes. freaking loop i love it it had like fallen order vibes i just love when star wars has like the weird alien yeah. kind of I, every music. time just... we get a new weird oh. alien song i'm a huge fan of it like andor opened with one we got one in uh Nyamos. uh and then of course there, there's just so many different ones uh over time the one chicken in the pot and solo is still probably my favorite but there are there's a bunch but we've been tiptoeing around the one cameo that we have and this time i think we can actually use the word cameo because it yes. was just a quick scene we can yep. use the term correctly but zeb Zeb aurelios was here <laughs> i lost my oh mind because i watched mando first and then bad batch second i probably should have reversed it so i could have had like yeah the lift me up after losing someone near i did the me. opposite oh yeah, yeah that's that's probably what i should have done uh but I had, I had like a delayed response to it as well because like he just comes it's the fact that he just comes in so casually and just sits down next to carson teva and i was like i was like oh shit that's cool lasat we never had lasats in yeah. live action he looks great and then he started talking and i was like it's is that zeb it still <laughs> took me a second because i was like yeah. oh cool lasat pilot that's awesome and i was like oh he's the, voiced by steve blum too like that's the cool legend that out. is steve blum and i was like no and then the in the credits Steve Blum credited as Zeb, and I'm like, yes. First I'm of so all, happy to see I gotta him. say, I was very worried of how Zeb was going to translate to live action if they're even gonna try it. Because, like you said, I don't think we've had a Lasat in live action before. I think it's exclusively no. been in animation and the games. Yeah, not unless you can't fall in order. But that was yeah, that's that was the closest we've game, had. So. But I thought he looked great. I thought in terms yeah. of the animation to live action translations, it's, if we're counting like 
Quizzy and the fifth brother and you know characters like that. I would say he's my favorite so far. And I I I'm now even more excited for the Ahsoka series. Because this just proves to me that uh he's gonna show up. And yeah. I'm just wondering, where's Callus? Where's hot Callus, guys? Come on, like you can't have Zeb without the other. Uh but no, I got so excited. And the yeah. fact that he's a pilot now, I love it. I, I yeah. don't know if this conflicts with, you know, should he still be on Lyrasan at this point? But like the epilogue, they never really said like when that was. So I, I'm I'm okay with it. And of course, he could still be a New Republic pilot and yeah. still like live on Lyrasan. Uh, I yeah. don't think it's going to take away from Rebels. And and Dave has been really good. This more than I was even expecting with like the animated to live action characters because I've had my critiques about. Uh, Ahsoka feeling kind of like a different character in live action compared to animation. Rosario Dawson, just I, nothing against her, but it's just the way she portrays the character as like more like muted and subdued. Uh, it 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 doesn't like it, you know animated Ahsoka is so energetic and and, and mm. peppy that it, it, that's a bit different for me. But like they've nailed Bo-Katan so much in this season, and I really like say what you will about how the Grand Inquisitor looked, but I really liked how the Inquisitors were adapted in Obi-Wan. So, Jedi's compassion yeah. is his undoing. And the, 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 the fifth brother's just constant, like, state of being done with Reva's shit is just my third sister, goddammit. It's just my Vader favorite says thing. it's my go on the Xbox. Yeah, yeah I'm just, I, I loved that. So, hopefully, this is just a sign of things to come with more Zeb, but just a, a quick, like, scene, Zeb, Talking to Carson Teva, there's a shame about uh, Navarro. I'm my own. Really thought Navarro this. was gonna make it. It's I just so needed, cool. I needed a Carabast. Like I, we need one. In, oh, it's coming in Ahsoka. Like we need we, him to say Carabast, and I need him to like bang a couple of bucket heads together, just just once, just like smash a couple of stormtroopers' heads mm -hmm. together. You know, like it's just, it's so cool to see Zeb, like you said, like it's just. He looked amazing, and it was a. It's it, this. I will definitely say, as you as you said, is a cameo because it's 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 inoffensive. It goes on for like a couple of minutes, and it's there more more to just help Carson Teva have like you know he's got a pal there to talk to, and it just makes Carson Teva look cooler because hey, he's buds with Zeb, so this guy must be legit yeah. for him to be buds with Zeb. And I it's like, like it, if anyone is still calling Bo Katan a cameo, I'm like, dude, she's literally like the main character, of the literally season. credited he, in is yeah, starring. So you can't call her a cameo still at this point but it was a really cool scene and it fit the bill of a cameo to like if you don't know who zeb is it's not distracting you're just like oh that's a cool looking alien species that uh carson tev is talking to we know this character and then you'll be like oh cool he's showing up in ahsoka and then you can find out that he was in rebels which by the way watch rebels it's fantastic when we get to it in like eight years uh it's gonna be a, a great time uh because then it'll, the the running joke will be how long it takes for us to finish that series after we're done with Clone Wars. But again, now we cut back to Coruscant and it was great to keep seeing more of Coruscant. We get to see Carson Teva with his jacket looking, looking dapper as hell going into this new Republic base. And we get to see Elia Kane again. I, I, I haven't forgiven you with what you did to Connor a, a no. couple weeks ago, Elia. God damn like, it, Elia. You're blending in there looking all suspicious and shit. Like you're clearly working for Gideon, but who knows? Uh, we learn more about him later on in the episode, uh, like at yeah. the very end. So, and like we said, 
there's that interesting whole the, it, it's it's interesting how she just sort of like sneaks into the conversation and sort of subtly steers that new republic uh officer who's talking to Carson Tever which was it was a really good scene because it's like the, the guy's not evil he's just like you know he's just fallen into corruption and re- like right. into corruption because he winds up just not prioritizing it and it's just it's a it, it, it's really cool because i feel like with this this series it's it's really setting into motion how Thelonian and, and the other creators on on the Mandalorian and these other shows they're doing for the sequels what they did for the prequels uh, but and the no, original no, trilogy. They're retconning them. That's what I've been told. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Oh no, they're, they're retconning the sequels, you know, and they're making uh, sure that there's they'll they'll make sure that there's no time. bricks, there's, there's no bricks no in politics in Star Wars no, ever nothing, again, ever. No bricks, nothing. Yeah. Uh, so but like, yeah, no, I'm this close to saying that the New Republic deserved it because they suck, <laughs> man. They, <laughs> they suck. Do. It's, like, I, it's, it's not like I'm not rooting for the first order, but like there's gonna come a point after like we're done with all these Mandoverse things where I watch Ozzy and Prime explode and be like, I mean, I mean, like they they ask for it, like it's just they. Well, I think it's interesting. It's just the Empire with the new coat of paint. It's yeah. not like we we talk about how corrupt and flawed the Galactic Republic was during the Clone Wars. New Republic's like let's let's find a way to make it worse somehow. Like we're just gonna we're gonna keep using Imperial technology. We're still going to refer to the Amnesty program individuals as numbers, which we were like, no, hold on, no, we're we're not about that. We're not about that. We're, we're gonna decommission yeah, the Alliance. Decommission fleet. the Alliance fleet. Uh, so leaving yourself open to stuff. It's just again like they and just let people like gory and shard just like flourish in the outer rim which is something i was going to talk mm. about because like carson tether definitely pri- he he wants to prioritize the outer rim and th- this is this to me feels like something they were probably going to tackle in ranges of the new republic but i i like how they've integrated it here because yeah. they managed to kind of they've managed to make it feel kind of seamless that you know carson tether's story kind of links up with mando with yeah. din and bokatan and like I, like i mentioned i do wonder uh, sorry yeah go you ahead. go uh, I was just oh, going to no, okay. say, I, I, as I brought up, I think I brought this up two weeks ago, that I, I, I'm wondering if Aliyah Kane was meant to be the main antagonist of Rangers, and now they're kind of bringing her story into Mando. Uh, but we'll see. That's but, an interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, so what, like, were you, what were you going to say? So I was going to kind of say that, like, you know, Carson Tether, what he says about, you know, there's something, there's something getting dangerous out there, and he's obviously referring, like hinting at the first order without even knowing that he's doing it because obviously yes by the time the new republic starts to notice the the threat out there it's going to be too late it will have become the first order and the the new republic will have been crippled as we see in the force awakens but i I almost wonder if what's going to happen with these shows is that the outer rim territories are going to like form some kind of unofficial alliance uh and that's going to be and we're going to see that also resist the first order and that's what helps the resistance out later on because like I kind of feel like uh, there's there. I think there's a line in the Last Jedi when they're sending the distress signal, and there's a, there's a line that specifically says, "Oh, it it will reach our allies in the outer rim," which tells me that the outer rim has become very different because we don't know what what the status of of that sector of the galaxy is, that frontier area. You know, by the time of the sequels, we have a vague sense that there's criminal cartels around there still but the big ones like the pikes and the huts have like faded uh in power mm-hmm. and we know that and we know that boba fett has already you know he's already kind of brought peace to tatooine and he's potentially gonna do uh 
wind up doing, you know, tackling more criminal uh, outfits. That could potentially be a second season of Book of Boba Fett there. So, like, I do wonder if there's going to, if if they are building up, a in a sense, like a, a group of characters that we will then see sort of have to deal with the First Order. And that explains, like, why in, in The Last Jedi we go from, like, it's a way of, like, sort of fixing the kind of, seeming disparity between Last Jedi and, and uh, Rise of Skywalker, where, like, the First Order seems so dominant of everything. They seem so dominant over the galaxy, and there were so few of the Resistance left. And then we cut to Rise of Skywalker, and the Resistance is back to fighting strength, and the First Order is is not... Uh, they don't have as much of a stranglehold as it looks, and they're having to, like, go and take a loan from their wrinkly old granddad uh, yeah, in order to, they, like... It's like the Resistance obviously was still outnumbered because they had there had to be their that uh sorry i'm just struggling here there had to be that uh there's more of us scene at the end during the battle of exegol because they were still struggling with the fact that no one yeah. came during crate uh and i think that's interesting i think you're actually onto something that they would Thanks, form some kind of independent like alliance together uh but again i'm just so frustrated by i mean tim meadow is like he's, he's cool and all but like i'm frustrated by this fucking guy because, again, even as we see in the Clone Wars, even if it was a neutral system not allied with the Republic, if they're in danger, we would see them try to help them out, especially if the Separatists were the ones fucking with them. Like, we know the pirates are enemies to the New Republic. We know that they have some allegiance to the Imperial Remnant. So, again, for them to just be like, ah, they're not in the Republic, who fucking cares? Like, I'm sure some of that happened behind the scenes during the Clone Wars and during that era of the Republic and we just don't know about it, but for it to be just so explicitly put there that like, Hey, they, we, they don't really care. They care about who is in their system and we don't care if yeah. you know, this one planet is just going to get taken over and destroyed because it's not in our system. I think the and one time that happens, why the first order rose to power yeah. so quickly. That's all I'm saying. I think the one time that happened actually in the Clone Wars about, oh, we're not going to get involved because they're not aligned with anyone was Mandalore because yep. of what happens in season five with Satine and, and Darth Maul and, and all of that. That's that's the one time that happened. There, and then nothing bad happened in that episode at all. Definitely not. No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, nothing painful at all happened. No, that, like, nothing emotionally... I'm still not scarred by 10 years later. Yeah. That definitely didn't happen. <laughs> Um, like I said, Star Wars animation just knows how to rip your heart out in a certain way. And just when you think that they might be done doing that, <laughs> things like Plan 99 occur. But, so Carson Teva's like, fuck this shit, the New Republic's not gonna help. He goes, he finds the Mandalorian covert, and they're like, we, we gotta retreat. Like, they're, you can just tell, like, they're, I, I'm still confused on, like, are they trying to portray the Children of the Watch as a good or a bad thing this season? Because it seems like it changes every episode. And so they still have, like, their ways of, like, oh, we've been found. We have to leave. And, like, Din is still, like, drinking the fucking Kool-Aid there. Like, he's, like, go away. Like, even though he's, like, helped him out in the past. And eventually he's, like, I've this man has helped me before. He's lying. He's I mean, he's telling the truth. Grief Cargo is a friend. But there, it's still just, like, culty. And the armor in, like, particular... Because now she's, like, taking a liking to Bo-Katan, and she's, like, letting her, like, walk all the ways of the Mandalore, not just hers, which... Which I know, was not expecting. With, with Dan, it's a huge that. issue, but with Bo-Katan, it's fine. Like, so, like, is she... Because I was like, okay, she's going to be the greater scope villain of the season, 
now I just don't know. Now I'm just yeah. done predicting. So it's like if it does end up being like, oh, hey, Colts are good, actually, I'll be like, mm, hold on a second. But if I it's don't like, think they're going that way because no. like it's the same way they're kind of like I, – I do think with the Mandalorians, the main thing – and I said this like, uh, when we covered uh, the episode with, with Norhal, uh, the la last episode, that I think the Mandalor what they're trying to do with the Mandalorians is they're, they're drawing a, a parallel with the Jedi and how they're compromised by – their by their insistence on these practices like so they're not necessarily they're not necessarily evil but they're not like totally heroic either because they're stuck in their ways with these like with these old old practices and i think the interesting thing about you brought up about the armorer is that she seems she seems almost like a politician because mm -hmm. she she's been observing bokatan this whole throughout these last three episodes and seeing how she has has worked alongside her fellow Mandalorians and and it's a change for Bo-Katan because before I feel like Bo was very kind of like this is the this is the way this is how I am doing things like she was very judgmental about the covert she was very um she was very kind of dead set on doing things her way you know she, the whole reason she broke away from Maul was wasn't necessarily because of like his politics it was because he was an outsider and he killed and he killed her her leader so like it's all been about like like her way of doing things, and for the first time, I think she's had to like she's had to try and integrate with other with other groups of Mandalorians. She's had to see things from a different perspective, and the fact that she's been able to do that so successfully, where she has not only integrated within the covert but helped them out, like she helped save uh, Paz Vizsla's kid. She coordinates this attack, this attack on Gorian Shard, and you know her and Din together wind up getting the Mandalorians a new home or rather an old home, but considering where they used to be in series one. So like, I th think the armor just looks at her and just goes, well, yeah, you, you're, you're my best bet at like, uh, uniting all the Mandalorians. So, and I, and I think it kind of shows that she, the armor has some designs on Mandalore for sure, because like, we've learned more about all of the other Mandalorian characters. We've learned more about Bo-Katan about, you know, we've, we've obviously seen more of Din, but and even Paz Vizsla, we've not only has he got a proper name now, but he's got a son and he's got his own kind of like mm. code and stuff. So the armor is the one character we we still don't know a lot about. She's still very mysterious. And I think that's a definitely intentional. I feel like they're building a, an idea of like, uh, they're building up to who she is. I mean, my theory is still that she was a mole loyalist and that's why she's so gung-ho about the whole, oh, we can't take our helmets off thing because, like, you know, everyone would recognize who she is. But, like... Yeah, I don't remember if you were the one that said or if I've just seen it a bunch on Twitter, but the armor it, being rootcast yeah. theory, I, I do yeah. like. I, I, I didn't was, originate that, but I've seen it on Twitter. I, yeah. I was wondering if... I mean, obviously, we know what Emily Swallow looks like, but I was wondering if that scene was going to lead to her also taking her helmet off. Yes. And just kind yeah, of showing her, like, hey... Between us, this is uh you you know who I am. I kind of yeah. I kind of fucked with your home world and you know led to that red guy taking over for a bit. Uh, yeah. Which is interesting because it's like who who like she could be like because she could maybe still want to take Mandalore for herself. She could maybe view Bo Katan as a pretender to the throne because hey, Maul won the throne fair and square in her mm -hmm. eyes when he when he uh, beat Previsla in combat. He you know, Maul literally used the Mandalorians' own traditions against them and, and fractured their whole society as a result. So, like, maybe she could still cling to that or maybe she just wants to keep her identity hidden because she's she she knows that the rest of the other Mandalorians would cast her out because, hey, they were all, you know, their society, they were kicked off their planet by the Empire be 
in part because of her, because the 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 Republic had to come in and help them out uh, with Maul, uh, and then the Republic became the Empire, and the rest is is history. So, I'm I'm just interested to see where the Armorer's story is going. But I'm I'm fascinated with where this series has taken Bo-Katan. I'm relieved that she is not a villain. I'm so happy that she is continuing to sort of just be like a co-lead and a heroic, a more heroic character alongside Din, that she is still trying to seek redemption for like all the shit she did during the Clone Wars and how she inadvertently brought the doom of her people uh, and her sister and stuff. So it's just, it's her whole trajectory has been lovely to see. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And this episode kind of like threw me off and then brought me back onto the whole like, I was like, are they just dropping the whole retaking Mandalore thing when they brought up the fact that they were going to try to settle down on Navarro and finally be back out in the open again. But then like, like we said at the end of the episode, Bo-Katan is like, I'm going to go off and I'm going to go find more people to reunite the, the, the tribes together and retake Mandalore that way. So I'm, I'm also kind of curious that Din at least right now isn't going with her. Like, so he's still like, staying on navarro for a bit yeah it's it's curious to me but uh i i did like this scene where they were kind of all like coalescing after carson teva showed up and they were like debating on whether or not they should uh help out grief cargo first of all i loved how the armor's hammer was like they're like yeah like i get to I talk now i'm holding the yeah. hammer yeah uh, you, you get the special stick so now you can talk yeah exactly. that whole thing so and like, i also din, have to point out Bo and din just like sitting next sitting to each the, other oh, like yeah. besties or like possibly yeah. more i'm, the sh- I'm the, still the gonna shipping, push dinbo i saw a couple <laughs> gifts on it when i was looking for a thumbnail for the episode and i was just like yeah i know it's working for me guys i gotta say i i like it quite a bit uh, Katie Sackoff taking the helmet off this episode makes me think that okay so she was actually on set for this one got it because <laughs> I, in my whole time thinking like chapter was it 19 where yeah. they had the helmet on the whole time i was like okay so pedro pascal and uh katie zagoff weren't on set for this week got it uh that was my my uh my thing uh but i like how they they came to it and i was very surprised that it was actually paz that was the one that like kind of rallied everyone into helping out Dan because he's like we they were enemies yeah uh, and i i hate this fucking guy but you know he saved my son and we are Mandalorian, so we should fight. And I'm like, okay, this is yeah. this is getting me pumped up. So then when we get to see the fight on Navarro and get to see all the different Mandalorian armors and, and, and people so cool. fighting, it was so cool. I had my critiques early on in the season that I thought they just kind of looked like like fan-made like cosplays of points. But seeing them in action this week, I really liked them. I liked how there were a bunch of different cool ones. There are some that yeah. look like characters we've seen before. Like there was one uh, in Navarro that was fighting. I think it was a, a another like female Mandalorian. And in the trailer, I was like, that kind of looks like Sabine's armor. But I think it's just the shape of the helmet is what got me because it definitely isn't. Um, I've got to point out the the hilarious kind of moment where like we kind of skipped over Carson Teva saying, "Oh yeah, oh yeah," because because there's the whole question of like, how did he find Din? And he's like, "Oh yes, one of uh, one among you served with me in the rebellion." Oh yeah, and then R5. R5 just ruddles out because like i thought for a second wait is sabine there as like a spy is this just gonna be like a rebels fest of characters and then r5 troddles out i was like yeah, oh, of course. i didn't even i didn't of even blink when that happened because i was like in my mind i was like bo-katan question mark like because of the uh mandalore arc and rebels but then r5 shows up i'm like oh yeah he 
Pelly did say he was a a rebellion hero, and we thought that might have been just her like she, blowing smoke yeah. up Din's ass. But I guess there's some truth after all. To she went it. lying. Exactly. Um, but yeah, but I'm yeah, you said you about Paz. You said about Paz as well. Like that, that he really buried the lead there with what he was saying. Yeah. Like I thought, oh, no. I have uh, my disagreements with yeah. this guy. Yeah, but I did love his speech. It was very rousing how he just kind of like he supported Din and Bo, and I feel like that's kind of like making the point that <clears throat> these Mandalorians, you know, they 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 may have been stuck in their ways, but they they have potential to grow beyond uh, what they are. Like, you know, we, we see that, that Paz is kind of maybe heading for a redemption of sorts, you know, how like, you know, he sees Bo-Katan with a helmet off at the end of the episode and he just he just sort of accepts it. I mean, he kind of turns to Din and says, hey, you didn't tell me she was a fox under there. <laughs> oh, God. Like, like Din's like, I know, right? <laughs> Din, that, Din loses out on Bo to Paz Vizsla. That's, that's what we'll be like. <laughs> I don't like this. It's like, I oh, wish yeah, I could claim I credit think, for that joke, but it was your a tweet. father, cousin, yes, brother. It's still unclear at this point what the relation is between yeah, Free I mean, and Paz given that, Vizsla. Given that Katie Sackhoff has said that like, uh, Bo-Katan was a, is a lot younger than we thought, it makes Pre Vizsla look kind of borderline creepy for like, but it kind just of it bit. makes you kind of think um, like like all of them. Like, do you reckon all of the Death Watch people were just like these? It was like it's like the Shredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film in the nineties, where it's like these are they're all disaffected Mandalorian youths who he has kind of like swayed into his extremist thing. Oh, you know, it's kind of like a it's a thing where it's like, oh yes, the outside the the Mandalorian society rejects you and your desire for like tradition. So like, come and join I me. I can see it. I mean, it's very extremist cultish. Is just recruiting the the younger mandalorians that are more easily swayed uh and then we have like wasn't lux bonteri briefly with them too so we have like he did it, yeah it he does. was allied with it, him briefly it is it, it is adding up because he was he was a young first was appearance age was that was that her first episode. appearance wasn't it yeah yeah i think so because she i don't think she was there right off the bat when death watch was introduced i think i think she no to come in until like season three or four i want to say I believe it's season four because I think they they skip out season three. They only appear in season two, and then like Pre Vizsla has like the Tintin style hair, and then like you see him in season four. He's that a bald. lot scarier looking, yeah, with the bald <laughs> patch and the scar. Bald, uh, and Bokutan, <laughs> she made her first appearance in that, but she was hel helmeted for the whole appearance. And you know, I just think it's really funny that one of the first things she does in the show is just smack Ahsoka on the bottom, like little skinny, isn't she? Like that's just it's just so hilarious. Yeah, uh, Ahsoka's gonna have to get her back for that uh, during the Ahsoka show, uh, or during. I would not the complain. Season, who knows? Yeah, just like that's for <laughs> that's for that and Mandalore. Um, but now we 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 can cut back to the Navarro battle because this again was so cool. Uh, I I'm like okay, we've had a lot less um, what's it called, dark saber in this season than I was expecting so far. But I will, I'll, I'll let it slide because Din was in the N1 for, like, the entirety of this. So yeah. it was so cool to see Din and Bo in the air, uh, which, again, just seeing the Mando Gauntlet, like, in live action it still is shocking oh, so to cool. me. And all the Mando's, uh, like, dropping out of the of the, uh, of the bay doors. It was just so cool. Oh, I was literally, yeah, so cool. Like, my inner 12-year-old was, like, doing flips because I was like, so many Mandos. This is amazing. Yeah. Like, um, and I, I just think it shows like the power of 
not only just covert but mandalorians in general that like the two characters that we've been following so far aren't involved with this ground help like at all yeah they're just in the air and like all the other faceless ones that we don't know and then also yeah. Paz is down there we're, yeah uh, we're helping him out i would like, i, I would have loved a, a quick cutaway to um has his what is his uh, his son's name again? Ragnar. Yeah. Ragnar, just him, just taking out a, a couple yeah, with like of a turret or something. <laughs> that would have been so cool. The Anzellans like, helping out. Uh, ah! <laughs> just like like grabbing, grabbing yeah. the pirates and just smacking a smacking a, a raider in the head like with a hammer or something like the little, little hammers. Great. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, and like I've had my issues with Paz, but I won't deny. You know, he did come in like a badass. With oh yeah, giant, that was giant gun, so cool. just like him so just, cool. Yeah, it looked straight out of like. Well, it was very um, Dash the Destroyer. Uh, yeah, I, I quite liked it. Or Rocket and Groot. And I'm getting my. It, it was it was straight out of Guardians of the Galaxy is what I'm trying to say. Or uh, what's his name? Uh, what is it? the Carl Urban in Thor Ragnarok Urban, when yeah. he's got the, yes, the guns good. at the end? Yeah, uh, sacrificing himself. Build my God. stuff. <laughs> Pick these up out of a, a place in Midgard called Texas. I call them Des and Troy because when you put them together. They destroy. <laughs> yes, one job, just the one. Just oh uh, god, I could watch that movie every day for the rest of my oh, life, and I wouldn't. So Ragnarok is quality mm-hmm. Marvel, Ed, top to bottom for, for me. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, this is uh, this is the Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. So getting it's a podcast back to, about yeah, Star Wars shows. It's a podcast about Star Wars shows, not uh, Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. But I, again, I, I did love how the the Mandalorians rallied together in this fight. Uh, yeah. Getting to see them again, Din taking out the pirates uh, in the end one. It will never not be <sighs> cool to me. Loved it. Loved I it. I was again just pretty shocked of how. Well, first of all, before I bring up how quick I was, uh, I was shocked that they took out uh, Dorian Shard, like his 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 whole ship. But I did love like the little bits of it that had the the little turret guns that are yeah. controlled by the other pirates. I just thought it was a really cool design for the ship. Uh, but then Vane, he, he, he's like, all right, it's been a pleasure serving you, Captain. And then just dips. I'm like, dips, you, yeah. you freaking you little weasel. bastard. You, fla- exactly. you, nose, you noseless coward. <laughs> yeah. Again, that because I, I, when I first saw his design, I was like, mm. but like the more and more I've seen it, the more I'm like, no, I really like it. It looks really cool. And Dorian yeah, Shard, think- like it's it's off-putting, and it's definitely different than anything we've seen before. But I love it. It's just yeah, ing- it's like it embodies the whole George Lucas's thing of saying like we're gonna have all these weird aliens in Star Wars, but the beauty of it is we're just gonna pretend like it's just like that's just normal. Like yeah, you don't we don't have to take the time to be like what the hell happened to you or something like because then <laughs> it just it it's not it's not the same universe like exactly. So again, it, it works. It's very Star Warsy to me, and uh, well, I guess uh, R.I.P. to Dorian Shard because he is—he's yeah. uh, he, left how, us. He was a petty bitch, though, as well. I loved that. I, I kind of liked that he was so over the mm-hmm. top that, like, he couldn't even—he couldn't even just retreat. He had to just like he had to try and like take out the villagers at, purely out of spite, even though he would have mm-hmm. just been killed anyway. Like, and I also loved that he that he had that phrase in a puffer pig's eye. It's oh, like you know what? Yeah. Pretty good, pretty good, uh, a great, good reference, but also Gorian Shard, Gorian Shard, 
good good baddie. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he was a good villain. He was he served his purpose really well. I I'm also kind love of that he's that he's his not pirate be, group. Yeah. I'm, I was just gonna say I'm kinda of bummed he's not in skeleton crew, assuming yeah. that it, it's not before here. But it I mean we be. brought up Vane, we brought up Vane being like just showing up and everything. If he is like the main, like if he develops his own crew, I could see that being a possibility. Yeah. Uh, but what were be, you that would be a possibility? What were you gonna say? Uh I was just gonna oh, what was I gonna say? Uh, well, about, no, his about his crew, yeah. About I love that his crew was like a who's who of all the bad Star Wars aliens. Like, yeah. you, know, you could literally play like bingo Star Wars alien bingo with that. There was like a there was a fucking uh, Trandoshan. There was like there's a Quarren. There's a there's a, a, a freaking Weequay. There's like all of them there. Yep. They're like it was brilliant. Yeah, it I'm was trying to think a, of what was the last time we saw a good Quarren in Star Wars. Never. Like it's always I think I think just maybe one. in the High Republic. I think but one I can't the think of in the Clone Wars, like who who was being, you know, like because the Quarrens, I think, are getting pushed by Rift Tamsin, who I'd love mm. to see one of Rift Tamsin species show up in the Mandalorian. I feel oh, like that's so cool. I feel like they're building that to that. They I, they I do a lot of like weird hybrid, like shark, crab, turtle hybrid things. So it's, it was it's the Warthog alien. I loved the warthog yeah. alien with his like just the, who had just a warthog face. I love when they just have aliens that are just like that just are just the faces like, of other animals. Yeah. Like they had the raptor, the raptor-headed dude from Obi Wan, and now you've got the warthog face who just looks brilliant. You know, like yeah. that's definite new glup shito for me. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that we see more of those. Oh, and the Clatawinians. No, I, I had to oh, point out yeah. the Clatawinians. There we go. Every bad Star Wars alien yeah. is in his crew. <laughs> it's like what? What do we got here? It's like let's just go through them, and it just it's like never. Just, he just got a charter and went like, "I need, I need weakways, I need, I need Clatuinians, I need Trandoshans. It won't make them. I, I need to collect all the bad Star Wars aliens for my crew." Yes, exactly. And what we need to do now is we need to have like a crew show up in either like Mando or one of the animated shows where it's just it consists of all the bad Star Wars aliens. So we're like, "Oh, we don't trust them," but then they just end up to be like just like a really wholesome group. But yeah. like everyone's just like, ah oh, man, everyone everyone thinks we're threatening because it's yeah, always like finding, it's like finding Nemo where they all just like sit around and talk about how like the negative stereotypes of like of, yeah. their, of them <laughs> of their species. Get Willem <laughs> like, voice. Like, hey, so my name's my name's Finn and I'm a I'm a Nick Toe and I wanna talk about how like oh actually no that I can't say Finn. Uh my name's Trevor and I'm a Nick Toe and I gotta talk about uh, how Nikto's are treated. I don't think it's right. We at least have a good Nikto in Resistance. He's one That's of the main true. protagonists. I've seen uh, him, yeah. But they, but they color him. He's he's green and and and. But then there is there is because he gets a, a a pseudo love interest in one episode. Why am oh. I for Niku? I was like, why am I forgetting his name? I watched this whole show as it came out. Niku's a Nikto. I didn't I know he, was he is. Yeah, I believe Holy he is Nikto. But he's designed to be different, and he he's got the one episode where like he thinks he has a love interest, but then she ends up being a mole for the first order. So it's like <laughs> fuck. I guess yeah. Oh wait, is he? Yeah, he's a Nikto. So oh my god. So way to, way to misread the room, Nico. Come on, <laughs> I, it, it got me because I'm like, oh, this is really cute, and then they oh, end up brutal. being. She ends up being oh. a mole. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Oh my uh, god. But yeah, no. Shout out Pirate Cruise and Star Wars for always just consisting of like the the chart of every v bad alien. Uh, we got we got to find a way to fix that. 
get an Ewok in there or something. Get, get like nubs. a yeah. Get like an evil uh, or do what the do what the Nile did and have like an evil evil freaking Gungan who's like deranged. You know, have more wet bubs, more wet bubs in Star Wars, please. The Nile's like that too. They got all the freaking bad aliens too. They yeah. got what's his name? Um, he's the same species as uh, Malegi. I think. Oh yes, the Duotin, uh Panata. Yeah, yeah, that Panata, big guy. Yeah. He, yeah. They're 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 like a new they're a new addition to the, uh, yeah. the bad Star Wars. Aliens. That's the That's only the one that Gorian Shard's crew was missing. Uh, a Duotin, yeah. Get a Duotin could've, in there. Could have done with a couple of them as well because those guys those guys are really handy in a scrap. I imagine they probably could have taken the, past um, the costume from uh, Maz's castle from the Force yeah. Awakens, so they can just modify it. Um. But, you know, I, I love, like I said, the scene that we had with the armor and bow after this whole fight. Yeah. That was really cool. I like that we were back in her, like, little hideaway thing from the first season. It was really cool to kind of, like, return to those uh, familiar areas that we haven't seen now in two seasons. Because yeah. I just kind of forgot that the armor wasn't in season two at all. Mm. Like, that just, because she showed back up in Book of Boba Fett. And I guess because it had been, like, a year or so in between Mando season two and Book of Boba that I was just like, yeah, she was in season two, right? And then like, no, she wasn't. So it was cool to have her back. And uh, like, again, when she was like, remove your helmets, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, who are you? Like, and then it, it, it was a really, it was a really cool scene. Uh, I like that we have this settlement now on Navarro. Although if Pabu has taught me anything, probably not going to last very long. Yeah. Um, like I, then, I think Carson Teva was definitely kind of suggesting that Gorian Shard's pirates were acquainted with the Imperial Remnant. And though we didn't see anything with Gorian Shard, it's possible that Vane could have some Imperial connections. And that's the significance in him getting away. Because uh, we know yeah. that there were, still for, there were still Imperial moles on Navarro because we saw them in season two. You know, like there was that one little creep, little creepy dude who like ratted Din out, put the tracker on the Razor Crest so that uh, mm. so that Moff Gideon could pursue him and eventually capture Grogu. So I'll be interested to see where that's going. But I, I agree with what you said about the armor. I was not expecting her to ask that of Bo-Katan. Again, this is kind of like muddying the waters with, with what the armor actually is is interested like what her aims are what her goals are she's definitely an enigma but i did like that she fought on the ground with the other mandalorians how she took out those it was very cool watching her like take out those uh pirates with the turret and how, who were pinning the mando squad down that was that was a good yeah. scene so Bo leaves and i'm wondering if next week is going to be mainly a Bo centric episode yeah. uh looking at who's who's directing it uh, I can already tell it's going to be my favorite episode of the season because it's uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, aka has never missed with Star Wars so far. Yep. So I'm very excited. Like if that's going to be Sabine or Ahsoka or Hera, I will be very excited. But probably it's probably Sabine. Oh, there is then... that settlement in the trailer. We've seen that uh, that kind of bubble, slight settlement that seems very similar to like uh, Sundari in the other city. So yeah. possibly she could go and visit uh, a Mandalorian settlement and possibly meet uh, Sabine or maybe Fen Rao. There's been that Fen rumor Rao, that Kevin, give me that Kevin, Kevin McKid. McKid. Yeah. If you Which really want to really blow cool. our minds, give me Michelle Yeoh as Ursa Ren. And I will, <sighs> if anyone can make cool. it happen, it's Price. Do it. 
just do it. It just it That'd makes so all good. the sense in the world. Perfect casting. I'd love to see Michelle Yeoh in Mandalorian armor. Yeah, just just do I, it, Lucasfilm. It will be I, it, again, everyone will celebrate. Sabine is my favorite character from Rebels, so I will be very excited to see her show up in live action. And I, I'm going to miss Tia Sakar, obviously, but I'm really excited to see what Natasha Lubardizio does with the role. Same. So I'm hoping that we get to see her a little bit in Mando before she's going to have a huge role in Ahsoka. We assume. But we get to the the, the the stinger bit of the episode. We get Carson Teva back just floating through space. And my mind immediately went to, and this was before I even watched Bad Batch, but, you know, my mind is fucked. I'm like, okay, he's going to die. Like, he's someone to come in. Yeah. And he's he's not going to make it out of him looking through the ship. They find an abandoned Lambda well, I mean, shuttle, it wasn't yeah. A, yeah, Lambda shuttle. It wasn't Imperial shuttle. Now, I guess, what, a New Republic shuttle? But like Interesting that they're using the Lambda shuttles. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you? They're really cool. But uh, it's, again, we're seeing that they're using Imperial tech. But I suppose... <laughs> It's a little, it's a little different, I suppose, because they already they did use Imperial tech before. They literally used a Lambda shuttle to infiltrate Endor, even though it was sort of, it sort of didn't work. <laughs> I forgot. Were of... they, were they a thing in the Clone Wars, or was that because I know there was one at the end of Revenge of the Sith, but was that the first time we saw one? Well, like, there's the, the Jedi timeline? shuttles. There's the Jedi shuttles that have a very similar design with the kind of like tri tri design mm -hmm. triangle design with the wings, but I don't think there's any Lambda sh type shuttles uh, in in the Clone Wars. I think it's just the Jedi the Jedi shuttles, either the, either the ones with the three wings or the ones that with the nice kind of like rotating fin, which yeah is very likely going like, to show up in a Ahsoka. Ton of Clone Wars episodes. We've yeah. seen them do a new model of that at Star Wars Celebration last year that looked very much built for live action. So I'm I'm very expecting to see a Jedi cruiser because you know Ahsoka has one. She flew it to Sabine at the end of Rebels, and we know that this is gonna that the because there's there's the rumors about a time jump in Ahsoka where the first half of the season is gonna be exploring what she did during the original trilogy, and then the second half is where we sync up with the Rebels two-parter the, the rebels finale sorry and she meets up with sabine and they go hunting for ezra i mean it could be that they that they do something like book of boba fett where that whole sequence is like where it's like split in half you know half of its flashbacks half of its present day but who knows but like the whole do sequence we know how with, many episodes ahsoka is going to be i think it's going to be eight same as mandalorian because like uh, these one those shows have been planned out a bit more because i think the book of boba fett was a bit more last minute because like they they didn't even tell Lucasfilm that they were working on it. They just sort of pitched it as they finished Mando season two. Uh, but I think the whole sequence here is interesting with the uh, the Lambda shuttle, like where you know he investigates with the the neat little astromech probe that pops out of his R seven droid's head, and then you see the little glint of Beskar steel, and yep. then like the the voiceover, who I believe is the is the actor who played. Luke in uh, who was the physical double for Luke Ooh. during uh, the season two uh, finale, and he, he also appeared in uh, chapter five of Book of Boba Fett as one of the X Wing pilots. He he says, "Oh wait, you're telling me Moff Gideon was taken by Mandalorians?" So like, what are your thoughts about that, Andrew? Like, do you think I don't a know job? I, I, have a theory. I I mean, I think one of two things is the case. Either a like there's the, the 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 rumor that the dark troopers were made of Beskar and it was like, oh, a Kane getting Gideon out of there. Or B, there is a mole in Din's covert 
and I think it could be either Paz or uh, the armor <coughs> on me. That would be uh, fascinating. So I, I, I was wondering because that. you know what I think would be cool is if they use the whole remove like you can't remove your helmet against the cur- the covert themselves, and like. We have like Gideon hiding in plain sight amongst them. This Holy whole time, shit! And they don't that would be it. a twist. Oh my god! Like yeah, the he's just there among us. Just you know, that would be that would blow. Okay, if you've called that and he's there the whole time and he's just like he's hiding as a mentor. Like okay, that's such a genius twist uh, that they should do that anyway. They should just have someone as a mole there, and because like yeah. of course, what a perfect way to like show how the rule is stupid and doesn't help the Mandalorians anymore by having literally someone infiltrate. And they don't know because the guy is... Li- I mean, you could literally have him infiltrate the Covert as a Mandalorian, uh, like, as killing a Mandalorian and just taking his identity and they all just assume it's the same guy. That would be that would be wild. I, I really want to see that happen now. I, yeah. I think, I think if they nuts. don't do it with Gideon, they should definitely do it in the future oh, with another character. Because I, 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 that's I awesome. think it would work so cool. It, would, um, it really would. That's genius that you just come up with that. I love that. I, my yeah, theory I is that I think it it's super. Theory. My theory is that I think it's uh, it's Imperial Super Commandos because like we've had the whole uh, there's like there's those those leaked images that show like the red helmets that look kind of like Praetorian Guards but also like Mandalorians. So I think you know we had the whole thing in Rebels about the loyalist uh, the Imperial loyalist um, Mandos. You know even after. Gar Saxon got taken out, the rest of his clan just carried on fighting with the Empire. So I feel like, you know, it just makes sense. You know, we've had Dark Troopers, we've had the we've had the Imperial Remnant, but I feel like a really easy sell to the audience to the to an audience who's just generally familiar with the films and stuff and just watches the live action shows is oh here's a bunch of bad mandalorians like i feel like that just makes that's an easy sell and it it, it makes yeah. they feel like a threat in their own right because we've seen what mandalorians can do so having bad mandalorians that work with the empire just makes sense really as a new threat for din and the others to deal with and i i kind of like the thought of like dave filoni and the and, and crew also kind of like just making this little adjustment to canon that oh yeah the praetorian guards the earlier idea for the praetorian guards was actually imperial loyalist mando so like it just kind of puts the thing in my head that oh during the last jedi ray and kylo were fighting a bunch of former mandalorians uh, as the praetorian guards which would just be a really cool addition to the canon for sure yeah and i I think it would help with the blending of um because i do think by the end of this season we're gonna start seeing the early blossomings of the first order so i think to get that transition from remnant to first order because they're still calling it like oh yeah the empire is still out there like at one point like they it's got a transition to wait no we got a cool new name now we're the first order and then the the empire's for losers we're called called the first order get with it order we got the same tech same same stuff everything but Different name, different thing. Different name. Not, it's totally it, different. It would it would be really cool. Like if we have two shows that are kind of showing transitions of Imperial rule, Bad Batch, obviously with the Republic to the Empire, and then the Mandoverse from the Imperial Remnant to the First Order, and also the fall of the New Republic. But remember, guys, they're 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 decanonizing the sequels. They're being retconned. All of this, all this cloning shit that they're setting up in like three different shows right now 
It's got nothing to do with them, no. Every new episode of Star Wars just makes me laugh all the more at that whole uh, plurality of, of people who were just so insistent that the sequels were going to be decanonized. Like, every episode we're seeing is just laying the foundation more and more for the sequels, oh, and if anything, kind of strengthening the story. I saw I just love it. A, um, a TikTok comment earlier today that really pissed me off because it was talking about the uh, the Keller and Beck stuff from last week, which, again, I, I did my own little tidbit for that last week, but it was... Don't screw with my man, Ahmed so Best. So fantastic. But my, it was like, guy. oh, yeah, Ahmed Best deserves the uh, the retribution or, or, or the redemption or, or to have his moment, but uh, Kelly Marie Tran and the sequel cast don't because they ruined those movies. I'm like, you are literally doing the exact same fucking thing that caused Ahmed and Jake Lloyd and Ewan and Hayden and all these people to not want to be a part of the franchise for years. And, and I love that you don't see the issue with it or you're acting like it's not a problem because, oh, I like these movies and I don't like these other ones. Like, shut yeah. the fuck up. Like, yeah. literally, I am certain, <laughs> I am certain that every single person that is rightfully celebrating I'm a best return to Star Wars isn't a huge fan of Jar Jar Binks. I'm not. I like Jar Jar fine, but I love yeah. I'm a best as a person. So... I, obviously, I'm rooting for it, and even if I didn't like the character of Rose, or if I didn't like elements of the sequels, which there are some stuff I don't, I would want them to have their moment to have their moment in the sun or to come back, because yeah. that's the beauty of Star Wars, and literally, if you're yeah. just going to keep doing the same fucking thing, but you're like, oh, I don't have an issue with it this time, because I, I don't like those movies. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, that's why <laughs> I am so... And again, we're, we're a week away, and I still think it's happening, that if we get to see Daisy coming back, I am so here for it. Because regardless of if you didn't like the sequels or if you loved the sequels, it's going to be cool having the character come back. And, and maybe this time around, you'll you'll like her more. Who knows? Ray's always been yeah. one of my favorite. If you can't fucking tell, Ray's always been I'm... one of my favorite characters. Uh, if you're watching, if you're just listening, you have no idea what I just did, but pretty much giant Ray poster in the background and also a Eight. bunch of other stuff. An awesome poster, I will add. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. um, but I'm going to so yeah, second everything you just said. That's about just that, my but... little heated debate thing. So stop using one good thing to twist it into your shit narrative because you're literally doing the exact same shit. And, 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 and the people that act like prequel hate didn't happen. Like I lived through it for 20 goddamn years. It same. happened. It, exactly. You couldn't, you couldn't go like the lead to the force awakens as wonderful of it as it was you, every little thing about it was oh, it's got to be better than the prequels like yeah. oh this was like, so much like the force awakens i love the movie it's my third favorite star wars movie and i'm sorry to keep talking here but no, it literally no, opens with the first line in the film is this will begin to make things right like what do you think they're referring to the jj abrams again I like I, I like what he did with the Force Awakens, and I'm I'm bringing this up in the the video essay I'm working on, which I, I am still working on it. Uh, it's just I haven't recorded. I'm just in the editing process. It's been a busy week. It'll come out soon. But the man literally said, "Oh yeah, people are gonna love this." I was gonna put Jar Jar's bones in Jakku, and people would have loved it, but I decided against it. I'm like, he wanted to he wanted to blow up Coruscant. I'm so uh -huh. glad that you got talked it's, out of both options because like it's, just, it was it felt... literally all a big middle finger to the prequels. And we exactly. need to make sure, and that's why I'm glad that Bad Batch and Mandoverse, like, regardless of what you think of the sequels or regardless of what the people working on the show is, 
think of the sequels. They can't just ignore it. And they have to keep building off of the stuff to whether it's improving some stuff that you didn't really like in Rise of Skywalker or whether it's just adding to it. You can't just like do a certain narrative thing to just give a big middle finger to something else that happened before. Like that's when you run into the problems that these other franchises have had of constantly needing to course correct or constantly yeah. needing to be like, well, we have to erase this. Like you have to just keep like if you're gonna have one concise canon, you can't just do shit to fuck with other stuff you didn't like. Like if if Mando season three was just like eh, everything that happened in season two, nah, forget it. Like we're gonna yeah. every, like the entire season is gonna be basically to be like, no, fuck you. Like it's just it would be so stupid. Or if Obi if the Obi Wan show was like created in a way where was still super negative towards the prequels i would be so like again you can't do that and this just turned into a weird rant that has nothing to do with the episode but you something i i don't even remember what triggered it but i saw something and it, it just it, made me mad so stop being was shitty cool. yeah like we're, we're better than this we're we can't celebrate how great it is to have ahmed best back and be like Oh, but that nah. shit that we did to Ahmed, we're going to do to other people. It's like, yeah. you do realize why he didn't want to come back to Star Wars, right? It was because yeah, exactly. of the treatment that you're giving these other people. Stop it's it. What I thought we were past everything. this. I thought we <laughs> were done with makes, this. Exactly. It's what makes this whole, like, it's what's so lovely about seeing all of the prequel stuff now is that, mm -hmm. you know, we are seeing this stuff finally get its due. And it would be awful if that happened with the sequels because one would argue part of the thing that, caused some problems for the sequels is the fact that they didn't acknowledge the prequels straight up and that didn't mm -hmm. play as much of a role like you know some people don't like that there's the the political situation in the, it's barely, in the it, yeah. well, it's barely mentioned it's bad like the whole setup is confusing because they didn't want to acknowledge the politics because everyone whinged like so many people whinged about the politics in the prequels uh because of those are trying to say it was boring even though you know it's called star wars war is political you gotta have That's why politics we still need and I'm going to keep pushing for this. We still need either like the sequels version of the Clone Wars or just like a series set during that time. Oh, I would love it's live that. action or animated because it would build. It would We're help getting connect. that. So many else, it's happening. I'm again, I will literally it, apply to Lucasfilm and pitch the show myself. Like it's <laughs> it's going to fucking happen. But again, Absolutely. one more thing. I just this, I promise the last time I'm bringing it up. No, but like the people that are like, oh, I'm my best. No he never had like racist attacks. Like, where's the proof? I mean, shut the fuck up. The man literally <laughs> said he wanted to kill himself over the hate he got. Like, like yeah. shut the fuck. I hate the. Where's the, the proof that Boyega and I'm at best got the yep. racist comments? They brought it up. Yeah. They the showed the proof. Moses the gives fact, two DMs. Shut the, the fuck up. The fact that, he, that he, he mentioned that and it caused barely a ripple in certain circles of like. Uh, well, I'm not going to uh, dignify them with the response of fandom because it's like you McGregor said, you're not a Star Wars fan if you're going to hurl racist abuse at people. But the fact that it caused barely a ripple in those circles demonstrates just how toxic those circles of people yeah. are, really. But or they double yeah, down I, on it. They're exactly. Like, oh, or they double down on oh, it. Exactly. Now we're going to hate this character on purpose because you woke. I'm like, shut up. Oh, God. Just God. If you were around during the original trilogy, you would have hated Leia. And don't act like we, you wouldn't have. You the would have. The word woke just needs yep. to be like utterly retired. I oh, default God. to what Neil Gaiman said. Like, you know, I'd love to just have like a web a web edition that just like 
changes the word woke with uh, just being not being nice yeah. to people or just being being respectful of people. And because like I, you know, it's a whole thing. Don't get me started on how it's Lando a whole other conversation. Treated if Empire came out in 2023. Oh just, my god. Just, oh my god. All right. Oh my god. Let's. I'm moving on. Um, yeah. So yeah, the last I thing I was going to bring up about the episode is uh, about like speculation for the future. Is like I'm. I think what you said about next episode being like a Bo-Katan exclusive episode. I think that's possible, but it's also possible that we could have a a cut between the perspectives of Bo and Din, where Bo is is going off meeting other Mandalorians. That and would be Din sort of Din is wrapping up his whole quest with uh, IG Eleven because you know that hasn't been addressed, and we still have the Droid Bar to get to. But I also think another thing that's potentially coming up finds out that Gideon is is the imposter. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) But I think the thing that is potentially coming up is Din realizing how the rules aren't serving his covert as much as he thinks they are, because we've established that Grogu is is starting to try to speak. And there's that whole thing in the previous episode of Din saying he's too young to speak the creed. So I think what could happen in the next couple episodes is that Grogu could speak his first words and it'll be both a lovely moment, but it'll also be create some stakes because suddenly now the armorer and the other Mandos are going to be like, well, we got to put a helmet on him now because now he can take the creed. And Din's going to be like, mm, does he have to though? Like, because he's, like, you know, Bo-Katan walks cow. both worlds. Why face. can't Grogu? Exactly. So I mm-hmm. feel like we, we could be heading for Din maybe maybe breaking away again from his covert and uh, potentially helping Bo-Katan more because i feel like these those characters are uh, uh, everything about the way they've been shot together tells me that these two characters are now linked uh by their pursuits and i feel like i don't think that's going to end now that she just because she's going off to recruit other mandalorians so i'm really excited to see where they're going especially after your theory that you've just said about uh gideon and the whole imposter thing i'm i'm rooting for that to come true um this is the last time i'm gonna bring up tiktok and the last thing i'm gonna say before we wrap things up but if, if it is his first words i hope it's like one I saw where it was just Grogu calling Bo-Katan mama. And then Din's like, all right, now call me dada. And he's just like, not, not having any of it. So I, I just hope it's it, that. Like Simpsons where Bart calls, Bart calls a uh, Homer, Homer. And he, he like, here, yeah, no, dad, dada. Homer. It's perfect. But I'm going to stop panning the episode because I'm the one that is on a fucking time schedule here and I'm going on <laughs> eight minute rants. So thank you guys oh for watching God. our discussion of chapter 21 of The Mandalorian. Uh, if you have not already, go back and watch our Bad Batch season finale recap. We posted that uh, today as we're recording. I'm not sure if this is going to go up on Saturday or Sunday because I'm going to have a busy night tonight. But uh, check that out. We get very upset and I get yelly over Sid. <laughs> Um, so it's it's not gonna stop. A little bit of anger towards right Saw as well, I will add. Just a little I'm bit. Not, a little I'm bit. not blaming him for entirely, but I'm I'm allowed to be mad at Saw. God damn it. I'm allowed to be mad at him. All right. Uh but yeah, I think we're gonna wrap things up. So uh I gotta get going down. So where can everyone find you? So, okay, so to be to summarize quickly, you can find me on Twitter at Donovan Mead, uh, where I tweet Star Wars, Marvel, a lot of different stuff. You can find me on TikTok and Hive under the same handle at Donovan McComish. Instagram, you can find me at Donovan underscore McComish. And like uh, Connor and Andrew, you can find me on SWEditorIG.com, where we post articles related to Star Wars. And we also are part of SWEF, or Star Wars Editor Fiction, which is a series of short stories and web comics uh 
that are basically our own fan stories. We try to stay within the confines of what is considered canon in the Star Wars galaxy, although we will we do like to take take some elements from legends and retrofit them to our stories because you know there's just there's some cool stuff. There's there's some truth in legends, as Ahsoka said. I have written one story. It came out in June last year. It is called Scars of War, and it takes place five years after Revenge of the Sith and stars a clone trooper named Blister who encounters a Jedi survivor of Order 66. Over to you, Andrew. All right. Uh, as for myself, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Starly Andrews, same name on all platforms. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at For the Repub Pod and on Instagram and TikTok at For the Republic Pod for updates on when the shows are coming out. Uh, and stuff like that uh, and we also like to post some fun clips and stuff of the episodes so check those out uh, our youtube channel for the republic podcast we are halfway a little over halfway actually now to our 100 sub goal of when it will be when we can fully embrace the live content i think we can actually do it now at 50 but, the live. <laughs> uh, but with 100 we'll be able to do it easier and, and just spread the word more and do more fun live content so uh, make sure you help us out with our goal there uh and um as for what's coming soon uh next week uh is gonna be celebration weekend so uh we'll, we'll of course have some celebration uh pre pre and post celebration content uh i think we're gonna, gonna do be a season recap of bad batch season two next week uh as opposed to our normal clone wars episode i have a guest planned um and I, I think it's all good there. So that's probably going to come early in the week. And then we'll do a like little celebration predictions thing attached to that. And of course, we'll have a big recap of the weekend events uh, the week afterwards once we are settled in and everything. So uh, look forward to that. And of course, Mando recaps next week as well. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. And this is The Way.